Welcome to Somos Community Church, everyone. Isn't it nice to be here? Masks on, mask off. Mask on, mask off. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, ha- hope you're having a great Fourth of July weekend. And uh, we, my neighbor last night, spent about a thousand dollars on hired a, a a company to put on a fireworks show in his backyard. So we we had the the whole Star Spangled Banner thing going up there in Somos, so it was great. Anyway, welcome. Stand with us as we, uh, we're going to sing some songs together. Um, first one's going to be one I think the, the kids know real well, and I uh, hope you all enjoy it. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my Jesus in my trouble. 
Well, I hope that uh, Jesus is your lighthouse. Is he? Oh, he's been mine, I tell you. It's been a tough one. Um, let's sing another song, a song that uh, um, speaks of basically the same thing. morning now Rory picked the songs for this morning and so hoping you're enjoying them and I'm enjoying her her uh, ukulele playing how about y'all I think it's great 
and she's just doing a great job. She's one of the up-and-coming pickers in this band, so we're jazzed about that. So let's do another one together here.
we are God's children, and he's given us a faith and a promise of eternal life that uh, we can rest in that. Let's pray. Lord, we do sing these songs to you. We do thank you that you lived uh, on this earth and uh, showed us how to live. We thank you, Lord, that you left us your word that we can read and understand. We thank you that you are the same today and as you were then and you are to come. And uh, we're just uh, thankful that we can still meet together and fellowship together as, as believers and people who trust you. Uh, Father, we just pray for our nation uh, as a church right now. We pray that you'll bring healing. Um, we pray that this, these, this time of July 4th will be a weekend where people will um, again look to you as the sustainer of, our, of uh, our lives. You're the one that has given us the freedoms that we have. And uh, we, we, we hold them dearly. And we pray that you will help us uh, to uh, be good citizens, to um, follow uh, the leadership of our nation, and to, uh, most of all, live according to your word and your will. So we pray for our nation, Father. Um, now we ask for your blessings upon Mac as he uh, brings this message to us, um, one that's just been pre prepared just for us. And we're just uh, we're anticipating you using your Holy Spirit through your Holy Spirit to, uh, to modify our lives, to change us and, and mold us more into your image so that when we walk out of here, people will see Jesus in us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Thank you, Joe. Team, great job. I'd invite you this morning to take a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to look at signs from Matthew chapter 16. We see signs all the time, signs of different things, signs that, that tell us do this and don't do that. And um, sometimes the signs are very clear, sometimes they're not. For example, this one's not very clear. Can you read that? It says stop. And then there's a sign underneath, no stopping anytime. What do you do? Or this one, um, I, I, yeah. Spelling was not uh, their strong suit. Um, I like this one. Somebody's kid at Caltrans got a hold of the computer and, <laughs> and put that. Oh, that's just hilarious. And you know when you're in that, um, it's, it's so angering, but it's so true. You're never going to get to work on time. This one's my favorite um, because I just don't understand how many times... Did that have to happen before somebody said, you know, we need a sign. We need a sign that says a cow could fall on your car. I don't get it. You know, uh, if you're a baseball fan, you know the Dodgers lost the World Series to the Houston Astros because the Houston Astros stole the Dodgers' signs. And so they knew uh, if the Dodger pitcher was going to throw a curve or a fastball, and it was like batting practice for them, and, and, uh, <laughs> and they lost. And of course, the big question that we face every day is, uh, is the COVID-19 pandemic, is that a sign of end times? How many times have you heard that? How many times have you asked that? Uh, we've heard that all the time. And, and as we watch the events unfold, it certainly looks like things are <laughs> coming apart at the seams. If you watch the news, uh, there's a culture war in our country today that's very obvious and it's very polarizing. There are people in our country today that think this is the worst country on earth. We have 
people that think this is the best country on earth. And on this 4th of July weekend, I want to tell you why I believe this is the best country on earth. I want to tell you why I think this is the greatest nation in the history of mankind. First of all, uh, the United States is the most powerful nation on earth, and, and it's not even close. And, and yet, no nation on earth has possessed more power and used it so little. We do not start wars to increase our boundaries or to take over possessions. We um, help other people uh, be free from tyrannical governments and tyrannical dictators. And if you look at the, the wars of the last hundred years that we've been involved in, that's been the case every time. In the 1950s, we fought a war in Korea where 30,000 Americans died. American young men and women from Ohio and California and Massachusetts and New York died to make Korea free, to keep South Korea free. And we didn't ask for land. We didn't ask for property. We didn't ask for, for anything at all, natural resources. The only thing we asked them for was enough land to bury our dead. What other nation does that? Secondly, people all over the world want to come to the United States. The United States takes in more immigrants than all the other nations of the world combined, and they do that every year. We do that every year. Most countries have to build walls to keep their people in. We have to build walls to keep people from coming into our country illegally because so many people want to come to America. Thirdly, we're the only country that's ever had an emancipation proclamation. We're the only country that's ever fought a civil war in order to free slaves. Americans stood against slavery. And slavery was common in that day and in, in that world. But Americans stood up and said, no, that's not right. And 460,000 Americans died in a war to free slaves. America was founded on the belief in liberty and justice for all. Our founding documents say this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No other nation on earth is more benevolent. No other nation on earth is more generous. No other nation on earth is more innovative. And no other nation on earth is more free. And so when we see what's going on in our society today, when we watch the news, we ask the question, is this a sign of the end times? I mean, are we here? And, and, and the truth is, everybody wants a sign from God, don't we? How many times have you prayed and said, God, you gotta give me a sign. You gotta, you gotta show me what to do. We all do that. And he gives signs. He gives signs to unbelievers and he gives signs to believers. Look, let's look at the sign for unbelievers and it's here in Matthew chapter 16. Beginning in verse one, it says, the Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing Jesus, they asked him, show us a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, when it's evening, you say it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but can't discern the signs of the times? 
An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given to it, except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. And so basically, Jesus says to them here, you guys know how to read the signs of everything else. Why can't you figure this out? Why can't you see what's going on? I'm not going to give you a bunch of things to look for, but I will give you one sign, the sign of Jonah. And they knew that because Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And what's he talking about? He's talking about the resurrection. The only sign unbelievers get is the sign of the resurrection. That's why the resurrection is so important to us as believers. It's so important to evangelism. Uh, it makes the, the, the resurrection so important. We have to know what we believe about the resurrection so that we can explain it to unbelievers so that they can see that that's a sign from God and understand who God is. And I believe the resurrection is absolutely true. And, and let me give you one reason for that, human nature. Human nature, you say, how in the world does human nature prove the resurrection is true? Let me give you four examples. You have the human nature of the soldiers. The soldiers that were given to guard the tomb, it's called a cohort. It was made up of 15 soldiers and one officer. And their job was to guard the tomb and not let anybody take the body of Jesus. They knew that if they lost their prisoner, they, even if their prisoner was dead, they would pay with their lives. And you, you get this from Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas are in jail. They're singing their hearts out at midnight. Every gate opens, and the Philippian jailer, who's a Roman soldier, pulls out his sword, and he's going to fall on it. Why? Because he knew that the Romans were going to kill him, and this would be a less painful way to die. And Paul has to say, no, 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 don't do any harm to yourself. You're okay. We're all still here. You haven't lost anyone yet. You're still safe. Now, do we really believe that a bunch of women and fishermen would have been able to get past these Roman guards who knew that if they lost their prison, they would pay with their life? Do we really think they would have been able to get past them and steal the body of Jesus? There's no way. Secondly, have the human nature of the religious leaders. When the message that Jesus had risen from the dead began to go through uh, Jerusalem, the religious leaders knew they had to stop it at all costs. And if you go to Matthew 28, you can see that the, they told the guards, listen, we're going to give you a bunch of money. Just tell them that the, the disciples came and stole the body of Jesus. And if you get in trouble with Pilate, we'll take care of Pilate too. How are they going to do that? They were going to bribe him. Why would they do this? What was, the, what was the point? Well, all they had to do was produce the body of Jesus, put it on a cart and drag it through the city of Jerusalem and say, here's the dead body of Jesus. But they couldn't because there was no dead body of Jesus. Not only that, you have the, the human nature of the eyewitnesses. The apostle Paul told the Corinthians, I delivered you this message that I also received. Christ died according to the scriptures. He was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he was seen by Peter. And then he was seen by the 12. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren, brethren at once. After that, he was seen by James, then the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me. Now, there, that's a lot of eyewitnesses, 500 eyewitnesses. When I was in college, I had to take a class on law, and they said, if you, if you have an eyewitness, he should be believed uh, unless there's something that discredits him. If you have more than one eyewitness, that 
that makes the probability much stronger. And if you have multiple eyewitnesses, the law says that turns a probability into a certainty. 500 eyewitnesses turns the resurrection from a probability to a certainty. And you say, well, okay, but what if they all got together and made it up? That's not possible because of the human nature of the martyrs. Not one single eyewitness of Jesus ever recanted their testimony that they saw the risen Christ. And almost all of them were executed for it. Let me give you some examples. James was executed by Herod in Acts 12. Stephen was executed in Jerusalem in Acts 7. Thomas was executed in India. John Mark was executed in Egypt. Philip executed in Turkey. Matthew was executed in Ethiopia. The apostle Paul uh, was beheaded in Rome by Nero in AD 66 that same year. Peter was crucified by Nero upside down in Rome, and in fact, um, uh, the, the historian Tacitus wrote uh, about uh, Rome under Nero, and he said this, Christians were crucified or set on fire so that when darkness came, they burned like torches at night. Now listen, human nature says, if that had been a scam, somebody would have said, no, I'm not paying that price. I'm not doing that. They would have tried to, their best to save their own skin. Now, if the resurrection is true, that means every promise that Jesus Christ made is also true. And what is the promise that we're looking for more than anything? The return of Christ. And so let's look at some signs to believers about the return of Christ. And let me give you um, three signs that we need to look for today uh, for the Lord's return. First is disputes. Listen to Luke 21, verse 10. He continued saying to them, nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Do we have that today? We have wars all the time. He said there will be wars and rumors of wars. We've already fought two wars. Our country's only 244 years old, and we've already fought two wars that were billed the war to end all wars, haven't we? we we've already done that. Wars all the time. Let me give you a kind of a rundown of the wars that we've been involved with. Like I told you, the Civil War, 460,000 Americans died. In World War I, 116,000 Americans died. In World War II, 418,000 Americans died. In Korea, 30,000 Americans died. Vietnam, we had 58,000 Americans die. After Vietnam, we decided we need to do war a little bit differently. We need to be better at it, and we've become better at it. And so in the wars that we've fought, we haven't lost that many people. In the Gulf War, we lost 294 Americans. Afghanistan, we've lost 2,400. And in Iraq, we lost 4,500. During the coronavirus, the Pope actually uh, made a plea to all the nations at war and said, hey, call a ceasefire so that we can get rid of the coronavirus. There are wars all the time. Not only that, there's disease. The next verse, verse 11 says there will be great earthquakes in, in various places, and we live with that. That's not a, you know, not a big deal to us. Um, and then he says, and plagues and famines. Throughout the Bible, the word plagues or disease is, is one of the signs of end times. And we see headlines around the world like this. Apocalypse Now. Here's why Americans think, it, the way, this is how Americans think it will end. Or why do Americans think, Coronavirus is an apocalyptic prophecy. 
why do some Americans think this is a sign of the end times? Well, because the Bible says that we'll see sickness and disease and famine increase. And the Bible says that these will get more and more intense, like the labor pains that a woman has as she's giving birth. The closer she gets to birth, the more intense and the closer they come. And if you look at our history in just the past few years, we see this. Let me give you some examples. In 1889, we had a flu pandemic that killed a million people. And then we had the Spanish flu in 1918. And then the Asian flu in 1957, that killed a million people. We had the AIDS virus that started in 1981 that has killed 35 million people. And, and after that, we had the swine flu in 2009 where half a million people died. We had the whooping cough outbreak in 2011. We had the West African Ebola outbreak in 2014. Had the Zika virus in 2015. And now we've got the, the uh, coronavirus and where more than uh, half a million people have died. We're seeing more and more epidemics and more and more pandemics, and they seem to be coming rapid fire. And Jesus says, this is one of the things you need to be looking for when it comes to end time stuff. There's a third sign that we need to look for, and that is deception. Listen to Matthew 24. Verse four says, Jesus answered them and said, see to it no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. Same chapter, if you go down to verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, uh, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Jesus is saying here that many will be deceived into following the wrong Christ, and we think, how in the world could that happen? Well, in the end times, things are going to be happening fast. Things are going to be coming at us rapid fire. And if we don't already know what we believe, if we don't already know what to look for, it's going to be easy to get confused. So where does this deception come from? Where does this deception come from? Well, we know that there are certain things that are going to happen in the end times, right? Let me give you a couple of the big ones. We know that in, in Jerusalem, the temple is going to be rebuilt. We know that'll happen in the end times. We also know that the Antichrist will come. Now, based on just those two facts, I believe the Antichrist will be a Muslim. And here's why. The Muslims have their holy writings. They have the Quran, and they have their tradition. Um, the Quran is their holy scriptures. The Sunnah, their tradition, is, is their, their other um, writings. And it's a lot like uh, Jewish people have, have their tradition and they have the Torah. Catholics have the scriptures and their tradition. Same with Muslims. They have that same thing. And in their writings, in these two writings, there are three people that play a key role in, in times for their, in their theology. And you say, Mac, why in the world are you talking about uh, Muslim scriptures? Well, uh, because I believe that this is where the deception will come from. And if we know this, we'll know what to look for when it counts. Here's why I believe the deception will come from Islam. They have three key people um, in their eschatology, three key people in their end times prophecies. The first is Jesus. 
Islam believes in Jesus, but it's not the same Jesus of the Bible. It's not the same Jesus we believe in. Uh, and he's, he's not the Jesus of the Bible. In Islam, Jesus is a prophet. He's a key figure in their end time prophecies. He's a man. He didn't die. He didn't atone for anyone's sin. He went to heaven much like Elijah did. And he is there now waiting for Allah to send him back to earth. And when he comes back to earth, his job will be to correct the, the, the misinformation that Christians believe today. He will come back and, and correct the misunderstood Christians. Um, their, their writings actually say he will break crosses, which means he will destroy churches. That's what he's sent back to do. Second person that they have in their writings is called the Mahdi or the 12th Imam. And this is the, the, the savior that the Muslims are waiting for. Um, every cleric, when he gives a speech, says glory to the, the Mahdi, glory to the 12th Imam. And, and he comes to slaughter all who will not convert to Islam. He will establish Islam as the world-dominating religion. He will establish the final caliphate, where he will destroy everyone that doesn't believe in, in Islam, convert to Islam. Everyone will be forced to follow him, and he will destroy everyone that doesn't convert to Islam. He will have a massive army that will go from nation to, to nation um, to punish unbelievers. This army will carry black flags, and on those flags it will say punishment. And it's interesting, right now, uh, the army in Iran carries black flags so that they will be ready when the 12th Imam, when the Mahdi comes. He will bring prosperity so that everyone will love him and follow him. He'll bring a peace agreement with Israel. This is all in their writings. Um, uh, he will reign for seven years. And at the end of that time, he will establish Islam on, uh, on the earth as a world dominating religion. He, he will slaughter the Jews and then set up his kingdom on the Temple Mount. Their writings say that he will come on a white horse. Their, their writings actually say he will come riding a white horse just as it says in Revelation 6.1. He will discover hidden scriptures and those will be used by the Mahdi to show the Christians and the Jews that their scriptures are wrong. He'll be a descendant of Muhammad, an incredible leader. He will come in a crisis and will establish a new world order. He'll invade many nations, make a seven-year peace treaty with, with Israel, and then massacre um, the Jews. He will establish his Islamic headquarters at Jerusalem. He comes in a, uh, on a white horse with supernatural power. This is the one that the, the Muslims look for. And all of this is from their writings. And it is an exact description of the Bible's Antichrist. The Bible's Antichrist is their Mahdi. Because we know from Revelation chapter 6, the one coming on the white horse is the Antichrist. So the Bible's Antichrist is Islam's savior. The Mahdi is not Jesus. And that's very important in their theology because the, the Mahdi is greater than Jesus. And in their system of theology, that proves Christianity is wrong. There Jesus comes back 
and is the Mahdi's enforcer. He will lead the army of the black flags. He will pray to the Mahdi. He, he will lead uh, the all Christians to reject the biblical Jesus and accept the Muslim Jesus. And then he will kill the Islamic Antichrist. And that's the third person that we want to look at. The Antichrist. They call him the Dajjal. He's the great deceiver. Who's this person? Well, they say he comes on a mule. He is an infidel and a false miracle worker. And he claims to be Jesus, the Son of God. He will try to stop the Mahdi, but the Muslim Jesus will kill him, according to their writings. Now, why am I telling you this? Because their Savior is the Bible's Antichrist. Their Jesus is the Bible's false prophet. And their Antichrist is our Jesus. It's a satanic counterfeit. You say, Mac, I thought the Antichrist had to come from the Roman Empire. How can he be a Muslim? Well, over 60% of the Roman Empire, that land is now, 60% of it at least, is under Muslim control. And so it'd be very easy for a leader to merge out of one of those countries and become the Antichrist. It's a satanic counterfeit that's in complete reverse of the truth. And people will believe it. Millions of people will believe it. You say, Mac, how do you know? How do you know they're going to be deceived then? Because they're being deceived now. People are being deceived now. Let me give you an example. Millions of Christians today are supporting a, an organization called Black Lives Matter. And you probably think, whoa, Mac, what's wrong with Black Lives Matter? Well, a lot. Let me read to you from the Black Lives Matter website. This is what they stand for. This is what they exist for. This is why they exist. They say, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirements by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children. We disrupt the nuclear family. What's the nuclear family? The family that God put together. This is in direct contradiction to the scripture that says, honor your father and mother. Christians have jettisoned that scripture to support Black Lives Matter. They say, we build a space that affirms black women and is free from sexism, misogyny, environments in which men are centered. We, and I'm, I'm quoting from their website, we dismantle the patriarchal practice. That's in direct contradiction to the scripture that says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the nurture and instruction of the Lord. It's in direct contradiction to Scripture. And yet Christians have jettisoned that Scripture to support Black Lives Matter. 
Third thing they say, we foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual. It's in direct contradiction to the scripture that says a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Now, obviously there's a danger in what I'm saying because when you say this, people say, oh, that's racist. It's not racist. I believe black lives matter. I don't support Black Lives Matter Incorporated. In fact, I'll go a step farther. I believe all black lives matter. I believe that black police officers' lives matter. I believe that black victims of crime matter. I believe that black unborn babies matter. And... And to say we're racist for not supporting Black Lives Matter Incorporated, nothing could be farther from the truth. This is not racist. There's nothing in Christianity that is racist. And when people use Christianity for racist things, they pull Scripture completely out of context to do that. How do I know that? Listen to Revelation 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue. Jesus Christ is filling his kingdom with people from every tribe, every nation. That completely eliminates all racism. Completely. Now, if Christians are so easily misled and deceived by a group of people today, how much easier will it be for people to be misled when when they see miracles and signs and wonders? We have to know what we believe now so that we're not deceived when things get really intense. So, is the coronavirus a sign? Well, yeah. It's one of the things Jesus said to be looking for in the end times. That's why Jesus said, man, don't be deceived. The closer we get to the end, the harder it will be to stay true to God's word. The closer we get to the end, the easier it will be to be deceived. That's why I'm glad we have Pastor Gary. He knows the word, he lives the word, he teaches the word verse by verse. I'm so glad he's in James right now because what does James say? If you lack wisdom, ask for it and you'll get it. I love that. We need wisdom so that we're not deceived. Do you want a sign? Look around, man. We're seeing signs all around us. And it's time for us to know what we believe so that we can stand for God's truth when everyone else is abandoning it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today that so clearly tells us what to look for. 
Lord, we recognize that, that your coming is closer than it was yesterday. And we rejoice in that. Help us to be people who know you so well that we can't be fooled when people lie to us. Because people lie to us. Help us to be people who know your word so well that we can, we can clearly tell them who you are and what you've done. God, may we be a people who follows you wherever you lead. And we thank you for that privilege in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. Thank you, Mac, for that word. Let's stand and sing. Blessed be his name again. Streams of abundance flow. Blessed.
sing one more song this morning. And you know the words. We don't have to put them up. God. Amen.